Hello, and welcome to another segment of Let's Get It Straight. I'm Catherine West, Infection Control Consultant. Our topic for today is, what is the major organism posing a threat today? Well, it's not Ebola. It's not Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome or monkeypox. It's actually antibiotic resistance. And this is not just an issue for the United States. Unfortunately, it is an issue globally. That this is the biggest threat to global health. And it can affect anyone at any age in any country today. This can occur normally, but currently the misuse of antibiotics in humans and animals is the major cause of our problem. So what does antimicrobial resistance mean? This occurs over time when an organism changes to where it does not respond to drug treatment. In the United States, each year, over 2.8 million antibiotic-resistant organisms are diagnosed, and over 35,000 people die from their resistant infection. Some people are saying that diseases such as Ebola, monkeypox, and MERS are the biohazard organisms that are posing a real threat. I'm not sure about that. So let's take a look at what's going on, where we are today with these organisms, Ebola, MPOX, and MERS. A biological hazard is defined as an agent or condition that is a hazard to humans or the environment. Well, let's help answer the question of what organisms pose the real risk today. And we'll start by looking at the hazard groups and where do Ebola, monkeypox, and MERS fit in. Hazard group one, the biological agent unlikely to cause disease in humans. Group two, that agent can cause disease in humans and could be a hazard to an exposed worker. But it's unlikely to spread to the community and there is effective prophylaxis and treatment available. Group three, the biological agent can cause severe disease uh, in humans and uh, present a hazard to those directly exposed, especially healthcare workers. It may present a risk of spreading to the community, but again, effective prophylaxis and treatment are usually available. That brings us to group four that biological agent can cause severe human disease 
is a serious hazard to an exposed worker, may present the risk of spreading to the community, and effective prophylaxis or treatment is usually not available. As you will see, that has changed for Ebola and smallpox, which are listed in Group 4. As an important point of interest, I conducted some research, and I hope you will do it as well, and discovered that actually there is no science to show that biohazardous waste poses a health threat. Antibiotic resistance is a reality. And there are today illnesses that we cannot treat. So why not Ebola? Why is it not a big threat to us today? Well, number one, it's not a new disease. The Democratic Republic of Congo has been having outbreaks of Ebola since 1976. The outbreaks, even the most recent ones, have been contained, and we have a 100% protective vaccine. We now also have designated treatment centers in the United States in case an outbreak was not able to be contained and people started to leave the area and travel. We now also have a screening tool. We have a two minute finger stick test for Ebola. Also now in place, we have regional designated treatment centers. So if an outbreak were not contained and individuals started to travel and that some were coming to the United States, they would be automatically reticketed to uh, airport close to one of these treatment centers. We can do rapid testing. If they need transport to one of these centers, they will be transported by a trained team affiliated with the treatment center. So this significantly lowers the chance that um, majority of EMS agencies would see a Ebola patient. In the latter part of 2021, the CDC made available of Ebola vaccine for any of the uh, individuals who would be at risk for occupational exposure because they work at one of the regional centers or would be a member at the transport team. As I mentioned, the Democratic Republic of Congo has been dealing with Ebola outbreaks, 14 of them in fact, since 1976. And now this will be considered an endemic or naturally occurring disease.
The CDC also conducted studies on the viability of Ebola-associated waste and determined that we could incinerate or autoclave or even pour bleach into a red bag and render it no longer a hazardous material. So yes, we can inactivate Ebola waste by pouring bleach into a red bag, and then it becomes general trash. In the disease listing for biohazard level four was Ebola. And now for individuals who contract Ebola, there are two treatments available, and both of these drugs block the ability of the virus to continue to multiply. Um, this is given in a two-dose uh, treatment, uh, I believe eight weeks apart. So as you can see, we have made great progress in um, being able to treat infections and being able to have post-exposure follow-up or vaccines available and rapid testing in a very short period of time. Technology today is pretty awesome. So let's move on now to the other uh, not new disease, but certainly uh, involved in an outbreak uh, here in the United States and in other countries as well formerly known as monkeypox, now known as M-pox. Well, we know there is transmission through respiratory droplets. It is a droplet transmitted disease. And they only travel a few feet. Three feet is what has been assigned to the distance of travel for droplet transmitted uh, diseases. Now, the outbreak we are seeing in our country today, and I believe right now there is also quite a large outbreak in London, England. Um, this outbreak is related to transmission with direct contact to body fluids or lesion material or indirect contact with lesion material, such as through contaminated clothing or linens, because we are seeing the location for the majority of these lesions to be in the genital region. But we do have an effective vaccine for monkeypox now known as MPOX. And this is an FDA approved vaccine and it's administered in two doses. We have seen the risk groups in this country really step up to the plate to participate in the vaccine program. There is now ample vaccine available for all those wishing to participate in a preventative vaccine program. And we have seen no transmission to healthcare workers in the United States.
So let's talk about now the third disease that some people are uh, touting as a major concern here in the United States, Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, or MERS, which is a coronavirus. MERS, or Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, is a droplet-transmitted disease. It was first reported in Saudi Arabia in 2012 and began a significant disease outbreak that spread to other countries, including the United States. But that statement, including the United States, requires some clarification. So what about the cases in the United States? Some clarification is needed. There was one patient in Indiana and a second one in Florida. And yes, both of them were healthcare providers. However, they were healthcare providers in Saudi Arabia. That's where they contracted the illness. And they traveled here to the United States to visit family members. They were hospitalized here in the United States and later discharged, fully recovered. The source for the organism causing MERS is the nasal drainage and urine from camels. It's important to mention, again, that no healthcare workers contracted MERS from caring for the two patients. It was determined that that risk would probably be related to conducting aerosol generating procedures. So let's clearly define that and how it applies to EMS. Number one, CPR, and number two, intubation. The other procedures on the listings that we see even for COVID-19 and Ebola are not performed by EMS providers. You do not do open suctioning you maintain a closed filtered system. You do not take specimens of the lower or upper respiratory tract. Those are hospital procedures. And you don't draw serum samples. So we need to get straight what constitutes aerosol generating procedures for EMS care providers. Now, once again, things have changed. We now have uh, determined treatment for MERS, a combination of two monoclonal clonal antibodies uh, prevented and treated MERS in mice. <laughs> and now studies have shown that this treatment is also safe to be given to humans. So once again, we see that technology, laboratory work really is a benefit in today's world. Now, when we talk about travel histories and the fact that MERS came to us from uh, Saudi Arabia, 
that Ebola could come through the Democratic Republic of Congo. That monkeypox we know is here, but sometime might be related to uh, people attending an event, maybe even in another country. But there has been a long-standing international agreement that is important to be aware of. If a person becomes ill on a plane, the crew notifies the pilot. The pilot then radios ahead to the airport they will be arriving at. And the CDC is notified and generally at every major airport, a CDC team is there. They will evaluate the ill individual and determine whether they need uh, further medical care or not. If not, then everybody can disembark the aircraft. But if it's determined that an, uh, a person on the plane uh, does need medical follow-up care, then those in close proximity to that ill individual will be given contact cards um, that will be collected by the CDC team and those individuals will then get follow-up. So in talking about Ebola, MERS, and MPOX, I think you can see that we're in pretty good shape with regard to those diseases. Where our problem lies is antibiotic resistance and that we now have diseases, illnesses we cannot treat. The Center for Medicaid and Medicaid Services uh, and the CDC have been tracking all antibiotic prescriptions electronically. The first report that they issued as a result of this tracking was published in 2014. It showed the need for improved prescribing practices and that the practices that were currently in place put patients at risk for coming down with Clostridium difficile C. diff infections. Also noted that patients were getting powerful antibiotics and that those individuals were three times more likely to acquire another infection from a more resistant organism. A follow-up report was then published in March of 2017. This one revealed that 30 to 50% of prescriptions given in the emergency department, urgent care, doctor's offices were deemed to be completely unnecessary. The next report came out in 2019, stating that multidrug resistant organisms infected 2.8 million persons every year and 35,000 deaths were reported. There are twice as many deaths reported from antibiotic resistant infections as compared to the 2013 report. Now the report that was published in May of 2021 said, well, there was a decreased notice in 
antibiotic prescribing, but that that was probably due to the pandemic with COVID-19. We had a, a significant decrease in in-person visits. There would seem to be also be an awareness, a more better understanding that antibiotics don't treat viral infections. Also noted was that prescribing azithromycin was higher than expected. I think we all know that. Azithromycin z -pack is being prescribed for almost everything. And we have to ask ourselves, how long will it be before we see resistance to azithromycin? Now, multi-drug resistant organisms were first noted as a significant problem in medical facilities. But then medical facilities worked very hard to clean up their act. As a result, multidrug resistant organisms became a problem in the community. You saw that in the initial uh, prescribing um, that communities were now where the majority of antibiotics were being prescribed that things were better controlled in the hospital setting. That was until COVID-19 and everything focusing on treating patients with COVID-19 was absolutely appropriate. However, as a result of that focus being taken away from looking at controlling, for example, MRSA, that once again has become a problem in the hospital setting. Because of the occurrence of multidrug resistant organisms and in high case numbers, the CDC has created a list of urgent threats and serious threats. Under urgent threats, you will see Candida auris and C. diff along with CRE. Under serious threats, you will see vancomycin-resistant enterococci, VRE, along with MRSA. So focus needs to be put on curtailing the inappropriate prescribing of antibiotics. One thing to really help with diagnostics is rapid testing. The ability of rapid testing, which is now the standard of care. If you look at the listing, we have rapid testing for C. diff, for VRE, for CRE, and Candida auris, and the list will continue to grow. Absolutely everything is going to rapid testing. And it has a fabulous rationale. This is also known as point of care testing. Finger stick testing done at the site can identify illnesses that patients may not know they have, start them on treatment, 
give them proper referrals, and improve patient outcomes. Awesome. It was in uh, 2019 that the CDC awarded over $22 million to 30 organizations in 50 countries to work on stemming the occurrence of antimicrobial resistance. But then hit COVID-19, which has really interrupted this process. And we don't want to lose sight of the goal. And interestingly enough, that brings us to compliance monitoring. What's compliance monitoring got to do with this? Well, we're going to focus on cleaning routines. Yes, compliance monitoring is an OSHA requirement, but it's important for other reasons other than compliance. A study published by Duke University coined a new term, medical transport associated infections. And this is a follow-up to the change of a definition from hospital-associated infections to healthcare-associated infections. A healthcare-associated infection is an infection incurring in a patient two days after admission that is not related to their admitting diagnosis. If a patient acquires such an infection, the medical facility will get no reimbursement for the cost of treating that infection from Medicare or Medicaid. So in the topic of multidrug resistant organisms, what does compliance monitoring and cleaning have to do with anything? Well, let's say you have a call to transport a patient from a long-term care facility to be admitted in the hospital. And you do not know that that patient has C. diff or Candida auris or norovirus. Why is that important? Because each of those requires that a chlorine-based cleaning solution be used or the organism is not killed. So we know that for many years, it has been a long-standing uh, problem of, for example, long-term care facilities not notifying us of an infection that a patient may have so that we can use proper PPE. But now we also have to focus on information that may require us to use a different cleaning agent than we would normally be using. So the University of Arizona came up with the concept of meeting with these facilities that you transport patients to and from and establishing a communication system so that you are notified if they have a infection multi-drug resistant that requires the use of a chlorine-based cleaning solution. So we've talked about the patients we care for. What about you? 
the people that care for the patients. It is very important when we're talking about antibiotic resistant organisms that you clearly understand that if you have a quote exposure to a patient with a multi-drug resistant infection that you do not need any follow-up antibiotic prescriptions or treatment. That's important for your protection. We don't want you to take antibiotics when it is not needed, not appropriate. We don't want you to begin to develop resistance. Time may come when you need a drug and it will no longer protect you. That brings us to the end of this session of Let's Get It Straight. And I hope that you uh, became aware of some new things that might be worth adopting in your departments as policy, that you express in education and training that when we are caring for patients with multi-drug resistant infections that we do not need any medical follow-up for an exposure. That is the protection for you from also developing resistance. This is something we're dealing with every single day. If I can be of any additional assistance, please do not hesitate to give me a call or send me an email. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope you'll enjoy, uh, join me again for another segment of Let's Get It Straight. Thank you.